So the question arises uh, how to maintain concentration when the body begins to feel so painful sitting in a particular position you have quite a struggle staying with that and you feel your body really wants to move but you don't want to lose uh, the concentration so it gets into a bit of a dilemma around that is this pain, is it causing damage to the body? maybe it's appropriate or is it just something that uh, you can kind of soothe uh, you know, or something you can even withdraw from withdraw your attention from these possibilities yes. but certainly um, you know, the real skills of, uh, of uh, soothing and withdrawing are have to be really developed carefully withdrawing and soothing uh, physical pain discomfort has to be dealt with quite carefully through chitta bhavana and through kaya bhavana kaya, the body or the animate body so we have various terms that use for body rupa form just deals with the outward appearance shape you could say obviously with our eyes the shape the very fact of bonk can become present kaya is dealing with the body's direct experience of itself so it's not a visual experience what's the body's direct experience of itself well the Buddha says internally externally so externally what we sense as happening to the body so sensations impact heat impacts pressure of the floor impacts uh, delightful sensations impact from the outside is external Mm -hmm. pleasant touches cool breezes impact contact is that the body knows this and is generally there's some stimulation of feeling pleasant and unpleasant around that experience so the body is an internal sense which is quite uh, complex you might say feeling dizzy feeling ill is an internal bodily feeling sense of the organs that the balances of the body are lost it's in distress it's feeling discordant tension is an internal experience in the body relaxation is an internal experience spaciousness lightness, buoyancy these are internal experiences so it's going to evolve everything to do with our neurological experience uh, which can everything from what the organs are telling us to uh, where we feel balanced and this is really um, uh, very significant because this links directly to our emotions yeah. and emotions link directly to chitta so in this way by really contemplating we feel agitated like certain kinds of bodily experiences can be 
definitely released through dealing with chitta and in fact certain jitter experiences such as fear, agitation, greed, anger, passion can be dispelled by relaxing, releasing the body, this internal bodily experience. Yeah? So and this is definitely uh, a skill not that difficult to, to accomplish. Yeah? Just got to remember to do it. <laughs> And also do it with pleasant experiences, which we don't really want to do. <laughs> feeling excited, you know, feeling happy, you know, just also that, that kind of passion, which sometimes is quite enjoyable. So if we really want to um, accomplish this, we've got to look at both the pleasant and unpleasant Vedana feeling. And learning to withdraw from entanglement with it. We don't feel anything, but we're withdrawing from this decisive engagement, which means we sense a feeling and something goes to it. And then if it's pleasant, we get excited and passionate. That's called an emotion. So feeling is not the same as an emotion. Feeling is a basis of an emotion. Emotion is a surge of action towards action. Whether we undertake that or not, I want more. I want less. So this surging, and it begins with this quality of feeling, which is essentially, when we experience it, is a movement of energy. Pleasant feeling, energy is a movement of energy unpleasant feeling the energy retracts or resists pleasant feeling energy expands you can feel these and you can witness these or you can sense these happening in your body and they very much affect your attention say you're you're feeling quite hungry and if somebody gives you a very pleasant fruit of some kind, you look at it, just looking at it, oh, pleasant feeling arises against it. Oh, I really want to eat that. Yeah. And then actually, that feeling, that surge, and that movement to action, to eat the apple, to eat the fruit, whatever it is, that's the sankara of activation. And when we withdraw, we say, okay, there's that activation, there's the feeling. But actually, all that is not going to affect um, what this fruit does to my body. Really? Now, okay, looks like a good piece of fruit. Check it out, first of all, because it could be fake, it could be poison, you never know. Let's check it out. Could be bad, check it out. And then, okay, body needs some food, eat the food. Then the benefit is, body feels comfortable. That's nothing, so all that can occur without this sense of, oh, 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 yeah, great, have that. In fact, it's probably more reliable, because how many times you end up eating a rotten fruit? 
And when it's not just fruit, when it's people, it gets even more precarious. Well, that's a nice looking girl. Oh, oh look, nice looking girl. Oh, well, yeah, one of those. How many heartbreaks do you want? <laughs> that's a fine looking man. He looks reliable and steady. I want one of those. How many heartbreaks do you want? <laughs> so, hey, what went wrong there? <laughs> You've got a perception and a feeling, and then you follow it. Can we just say, okay, looks nice, but let's just get that, that activation, just to calm down and wisely assess and consider what do I need, what's suitable, check it out, let's be wise about these decisions we make. So in this way we're beginning to withdraw from the immediate sequence of feeling, perceptions, feelings and formations. Right. This may seem a long way around talking about what you do when you're sitting in pain and trying to concentrate. But in this we have, uh, uh, I've not used uh, the the word concentration to apply to this process because the Buddha doesn't use it. Um, He says be mindful. Now you can call mindfulness a form of concentration, certainly you're focused. You focus, but you can focus on the body moving, standing, moving around. You can stay with that because what you're focusing on is there's an external impression, there's an internal impression. Uh-huh. Stay steady, those impressions arise and pass. Just hold, hold the frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the body moving. Yeah. Feel that sense of. What is a body anyway? Yeah, we see these things. Now that scent, what we see, is not what the body experiences. So let's get this proper and thorough sense of what a body is in itself. So we go to the whole body. So we're not just focusing on one particular point, but what's the whole thing about? Tactile impressions, impact, right? Got it. Uh, And internal impressions arise got it, okay, stay with that frame of reference that means you can walk, sit, stand, lie down and maintaining that mindfully why is it useful? because by maintaining this you dispel certain things that is the impulsive reactions to impact so that's just impact that's just tanked on impressions that's impact happens to the body, it doesn't have to mean my heart leaps out to it. Right? That's an internal impression, I don't feel well, I feel unbalanced, it doesn't mean my mind's got to get panicky and agitated about it, in fact that makes it worse. So I need to maintain a sense of steadiness and survey the experience with wisdom. So, Therefore, reactivity is dispelled, wisdom is established. Another, th- when we also we, contempl- we practice like this, certain other things are dispelled, which are not necessary and cause stress. First of all, the main one is the sense of I am in this body. This body, I'm inside it. Things are happening to me. I'm stuck inside this thing which is causing me pain. Well, there's pain. Who's inside it? <laughs> and if they're inside it, 
how come they feel experiences are happening outside? Yeah. If you're inside your body, you wouldn't feel the uh, breeze blowing against your ears, would you? But you do. So you're not inside your body. You're not outside your body, otherwise you wouldn't have to feel distress in your stomach. So you're not inside, you're not outside. Are you both? Inside and outside? <laughs> Who's that? What kind of identity is that? What? <laughs> well, it's not the visual experience, is it? Which is generally determined by what's the visual experience. So we get a sense there's awareness that covers the internal and external. Right? Yeah, all these things, and then we recognize tactile impressions, yeah, energetic impressions, energies move within, they arise within the field of awareness. They do not arise as me or mine. They arise within the field of awareness. Okay. Now, so then we're really doing something very important with our mindfulness. We're beginning to release the sense of ownership and the sense of being trapped inside something. You say, okay, this body, which is made of tissues, uh, nerves and muscles and sinews experiencing racking pain, what's a compassionate response to that? <laughs> well, let's not put pressure on it, force it to experience something. Let's see if we can just pause what's wise, what's suitable, maybe this pain will pass. Definitely possible. Could be like that. Maybe just by, you know, slightly adjusting my posture, this pain would subside. Possible. Maybe by bringing my attention away from the painful area to somewhere that's not painful. Back of my neck. Soles of my feet. By giving attention to this aspect, I'm removing attention from the painful aspect in my knees or my somewhere else. Yeah? By giving it, then if you notice what attention does, when it lingers on something, it tends to make that grow big. And whatever we give attention to, definitely the chitta takes that in. Yeah. Yeah. What we give attention to, the chitta takes in and absorbs into it. As you know, when you you know you can read a book and be so absorbed in the book, you don't even know what day it is. People can walk by. You can be watching your little flick screen on your mobile phone and walk straight under a bus. <laughs> you get so absorbed. You know? Because the chitta absorbs what you give attention to, right? This is the process called jhana. So this is another trick. You can possibly withdraw your attention from a painful area to an area that's less painful and just really feel that and then begin to sense from there, there's the painful area. Somewhere there, the edge of my awareness, staying on the edge of it, and keep drawing back into the painless area 
maybe this will also help the energy of the painful stress state to abate because pain and pleasure are both forms of feeling feeling is a push of energy right got it what feeling is notice a lot of feeling is quite subtle but uh, certainly when you get strong pain it's really push, 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 push isn't it? that's why you say the body wants to move the feeling is going push, push, push when you get pleasant feeling you feel I've really got to have that I've really, really got to get that I've really got to get it you're pushed, you're driven into it and so this definitely feeling has the power to, to drive energy and it, so, and it pretty much picks up the chitta picks that up and starts getting activated sankaras getting excited getting greedy getting afflicted getting worried you know, getting obsessive these are sankaras you know, so you want to don't want to get that, that down that track once you're down that track of sankaras you really got a lot, lot of work to do because they create all kinds of mischief I have this, I should be that what should I do about this, I need one of those why don't I ever get that, she gets that I don't have this, I really want none of those how can I get some of that well, calculate, figure, plan you know, it goes on and then one on another one <laughs> it's not fair so these things really proliferate so you want to withdraw from that this is part of the skill of withdrawal withdraw from those activations you go back this is unpleasant feeling everybody gets this bodies get that what's it doing it's pushing okay. now if I give it some space maybe that push will just you know die away or at least abate it no longer activates my chitta I just learn to live with that experience this is the story once you got born this is what you get it's going to go on until you drop dead you get feeling it does this to you uh-huh. so you've got to learn okay this is not going to just be a joy ride so how do I coexist well, let's get some calm and see if I can actually I'm widening my attention not get gripped not get totally focused on the pain because if you do the jitter absorbs into pain it feels extremely heated and, and, and pressurized let's find some space you've got, now you've got this whole body there available to ok try this bit only the pain is now 10% rather than 85% it's still there but you've got somewhere where the jitter can feel if I stay here I get less activation now I've got a little more possibility to perhaps adjust where I give my attention so this sense of this is skillful withdrawal now we use the whole body for that and everyone has to figure out for themselves and wisely assess their capacities in this regard 
Because this kind of uh, the, the rather simplistic idea, just bear with the pain, it can work for some people. Because after a while, the body will begin to secrete or, uh, chemicals to take that away. But it, it could take quite a while. And just how much teeth gritting you want to do, capacity you have to do that, energy you have to do that, it varies from person to person. And you don't want to wreck your body trying to make it climb a mountain it's not ready for yet. Now in terms of uh, concentration, so as I said, uh, the, I haven't really mentioned that in this regard. And to be uh, really... Um, Clear, the Buddha doesn't mention it either in this regard. Uh, I've never found any, my readings of the suttas, I've never found any instruction that says concentrate on your breath, on the sensations. I've never found anywhere which says concentrate on anything. Apart from make release the object of concentration. That's what you want to aim for. So, although he doesn't say concentrate on any particular object, he definitely recommends something called samadhi, which by and large is translated as concentration, is a essential factor of the Eightfold Path um, suitable for an asset for awakening. And maybe we need to reflect upon this translation a little better and how the word is used. And essentially, check it out for yourself, please do check it out for yourself. Um, you can find somewhere where the Buddha says concentrate on a particular point Please inform me. Now, but this quality of samadhi is considered precious and useful. How does the Buddha describe? How does this arise? So, samadhi isn't something you do. It's something that arises as a result of skillful causes and conditions. And if we consider the Eightfold Path, this is certainly a real trajectory that can guide us. Saying, okay, what's the trajectory? Cultivate sila. Because if you cultivate seed and you enjoy it and you participate in it and you really remember it a lot and the effect it has on you feeling clear, steady, resolute, reliable your heart is free from remorse and regret. The pressure and the weight of doubt, remorse and regret you get more confident
And it's, yeah. So what's happening is we begin to unify our intention. So my, my intention, my motivation in this regard is I'm not going to change him or her I'm just going to actually cultivate a sense of harmlessness sense of honesty sense of sobriety sense of restraint conscience of concern for others this is a lovely abiding I can dwell in that but I dwell in that sense consciousness isn't really an issue what's the issue is the quality of heart okay chitta Right. And the way Samadhis expresses uh, unification of heart as Samadhi. So looking at the right thing, not unification of attention, not folk heart fixed attention, but resolute heart. Ah, the word ekagata is used so in this respect the Buddha said when he was beginning to cultivate his mind going this way that way about his family and his duties and so forth and what other people thought his various religions were going around and said boy this is just my heart my tension is scattered all over the place get one pointed it means make your mind up, be purposeful. Purification is what we need, needed here. With that, I established mindfulness. So in this case, this ekagata, one-pointedness, is seen as prior to mindfulness, and it's a unification of resolve, unification of purpose, not dithering. You know what to aim for. As you review the results of scattering your attention hither and thither, unification of this I can do, I can strengthen and purify this heart, this is definitely within my reach, it affects me profoundly, it's my responsibility, and it's noble and beautiful to do so, everyone will benefit. Yeah? Make that the main purpose. Then if you cultivate that to the level of sense restraint and conscience and concern and integrity and you dwell in that experience what it feels like you put aside the anxiety about what other people think of you what's going to happen in the future just put that to one side you can't deal you can't decide what's going to happen in the future <laughs> But you can make yourself strong and capable to deal with what arises. And this is the beginning of it. And then you say, when the mind, when the heart is then free from regret and anxiety, it attains confidence. Yeah. And that confidence acts as a kind of a that's your, if you like, that's your that's your beginning of samadhi. Your heart becomes unified. Furthermore. Okay. Come into your body. Cultivate sense restraint. Don't follow the 
impulse is to go out into tactile experiences, so follow the rush out into sights and sounds. That'll give you even greater confidence because now you feel you've got some resolution and discipline. You feel pretty steady and free from the kind of being dragged around by sense impact. And the heart begins to feel quite bright and strong. Furthermore, when the heart is bright and strong, it's much easier to enter this bodily experience and learn to calm and steady and refresh it. If you refresh, it doesn't just mean calming down, it also means brightening up. When it's stagnant and stale, you brighten it. When it's agitated and excited, you calm it. When it's contracted and tight, you widen it. When it's spaced out and spinning, you, you, you pull it in. Till it becomes a resolute, embodied experience. The body's energy feels steady. When it's like that, the heart is happy. It has piti sukha. It's happy because it's found a good place to live. Okay? This is samadhi. Because the jitta has settled. It's free. If you look in detail, what's it free from the five hindrances? You know, we can go into endless directions of exploring the Buddha's lists and teachings. You know, hindrances, ignorance, grasping, you know. Spend an hour talking about each factor individually. But you begin to sense when that chitta settles in itself, it doesn't want to grasp anything. Because that's the kind of contraction. And what are you going to grasp hold of? Dreams? (laughs) Notions? Ideas of what you are? How to become an anagami? In this life, next life, how many lifetimes it takes to be in an agami, you want to grasp that? Go ahead. <laughs> but what about just looking after your chitta and freeing it from this kind of these these notions and ideas, then you know for yourself without doubt. And so this is the, this is, you know, we look at extreme entry, this is this sense of confidence. You know the heart for itself. Then you can be, the heart is incapable of reviewing experience. This feels like that. This is going nowhere useful. This is even more release is then possible. That's the way this is, this samadhi is seen as something that builds up through careful practice. Now we can see that the, the really the, what I focus on, if you like, is intention rather than attention. So intention is the motivations of the heart. Some of them are obvious, some of them are kind of reflex motivations, like our motivation around pleasure and pain. It's not decision, it just jumps. So you've got to wait a minute and steady that. Take a breath, let that one pass, you know. Because, you know, so that we're really training the motivation to just pause and steady and see if it's possible to let that impulse pass and then maybe begin to find a more skillful way of dealing with feeling.
which is the pusher. Okay. And it's said of the, uh, the Arahant, the enlightened one, they experience bodily feeling, a push of that, but they don't experience the push of mental feeling. So even they have unpleasant bodily experience, <laughs> but their hearts are not pushed by it. There's pleasant experience, their hearts are not pushed by that. Therefore they don't fantasize about pleasant experience because it's just a waste of energy. They don't dread unpleasant experience because that's just a waste of energy. Instead they stay resolute in awareness of how the feeling uh, arises and how you break out of the dazed reactions to feeling. Well, this is a definitely a big number. <laughs> feeling is massively impactful. And, you know, we get to these virtuosos, you can read stories, these virtuoso forest agents who have their kidneys taken out without anaesthetic. Wow. I agree. Wow. I wouldn't start there if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, these are probably people who've got hundred lifetimes of cultivation you know, under their belt. <laughs> and have, you know, really done some powerful stuff. So yeah, but it is perhaps it's possible, but maybe you've got to do something within your reach. Yeah. And so what I'm saying, apart from anything else, is you know, we take some of that sense of imperative that you don't move. Because you can sustain the satipatthana of the body moving gently, moving with mindfulness, changing the position. You don't, doesn't mean you break mindfulness, it's still there, and you're just allowing sensitive response. Okay? Now, what's the difference between mindfulness and attention? You know, so, often we mix up attention and concentration. It's a very uh, understandable, common mistake. We think, if I concentrate on a point in my body, then I am concentrated. No, that means your attention is focused on a point in your body. That doesn't mean you have samadhi. It means your attention is focused on a point in your body. You don't need to have morality to do that. Right? You don't have to have loving kindness to do that. Complete, completely obnoxious, nasty person. And you can focus on the sensation in your nose if you so wish. So, the, <laughs> so, <laughs> and you can think, I'm a great meditator. Because <laughs> you know how to hold your attention. Well, you get psychopaths who are very good at holding their attention on one object. It happens to be a machine gun. <laughs> So this holding attention is, is a tool but you don't want to make too much out of it because it's a certain sense of attention it's not the same as mindfulness yeah. Mindfulness certainly uses attention but the way it's described is we have two, two factors <clears throat> One is the factor which we all use we don't necessarily have the language for it because it happens but uh, 
so we use the ability to place our, our attention on something. So we place attention on something. It's called vitaka. Okay. So generally you can do this either by directing your eyes towards a point, and what comes up is the idea of what time is it. So you focus on that little clock. So the, the chitta gives a signal, place your attention, place your attention there. Because it's motivated, I want to find something and see something. This is Vitaka. And of course, this can occur with a thought. Remember when your aunt's birthday is. Ah, that's it. So that's the placing. (coughs) Remember where you put your car keys. Uh, You know, spin around it. Oh, got it. The picture comes up. So this is Vitaka. Places. And Vichara is the other aspect which having placed your attention you begin to, how is that? How is that? Review. Or sense. So I remember what date my aunt's birthday is. I review it. Right. Oh, she died five years ago. Okay, I don't have to worry about a birthday present. <laughs> or you might think, oh, she's, you know, she's 73. Uh, maybe I'll do something nice for her birthday. So you get this sensing, taking in the meaning, and then you can adjust as to what you're going to do. This is called sensing. Yeah. And you can sense when I, that sense of my aunt comes to mind, then this quality of affection arises. Uh, I feel pleased, I start to remember things I like about them. So this, this, this sensing of vichara explores the object and derives various feelings and impressions from that object uh, that, that, that's been applied. Yeah. 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 And this happens all the time. But if we go, the faster we go, in terms of our mental action, what happens is the vichara begins to become subdued. Because rather because you have to linger to get the vichara, you have to linger as my aunt and then give it a few seconds. And, uh, she needs, I think she needs, uh, I think she'd like just a vacation. Well, maybe I'll take her out for a meal. So it takes a little bit of time for that to come in. Right. Now, when you get high-speed life, you get oh, oh my goodness, oh, and then next thing jumps in, you know. So you get this very jumping attention. And if you're looking at screens, the vichara is probably minimal because there's one click, seen that next thing, seen that the next thing, seen that next thing, that 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 that. So you get this kind of one-second attention. And we want to lengthen the attention become attentive for a longer and longer period of time. So you linger with something for not half a second, but five seconds. That's a good start. As you linger with something for five seconds, you begin to notice certain things. Certain things. You begin to notice, first of all, the impression keeps changing. Yeah. 
The idea of my aunt, which is just a very simple idea, begins to unfold into memories and emotions and moods. Pictures of her face, everything starts to, the experience begins to change. Everything changes. And so, which of these is my aunt? None of them. They're all just this sanya, perceptions and feelings. Yeah. You're lingering, but you notice just in contemplating that process of experiences, say, you know, rising and passing, rising and passing, rising and passing of all these phenomena, dhammas. It's the, the sense of freedom ease, because things are moving along. Instead of that sudden engagement of reaction, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. The chance to wisely consider as you're free from the pressure. And you notice that certain perceptions may arise and dissolve. And certain sankharas, even more significant, arise and dissolve. That is, we might get that impression once again, returning to my aunt, first of all, it's her birthday, and then, oh, I'm going to get something, I'm going to hurry up and get something. Just, that's agitation. She doesn't want agitation, I'm sure. Let's just let that one pass and go into a sense of warm, loving kindness. Much better. Steady loving kindness. Then we can dwell in that and then see what arises from that. So, this impulsive sankara, first thing that happens for all of us is reaction. No, no. And then, okay, everybody reacts. Keep your attention there and just let the reaction subside. And then, when that reaction subsides, the sankara subsides, how is it now? quite peaceful, with a much more unified heart, say a warm feeling, you know, fond of my arm, okay, I can abide in that. So then we abide in that. Now if you're a meditator, you make quite a lot of that, so that you know, you can bring to mind an image of the Buddha and feel a sense of devotion and gladness and you just link with that and the, the visual appearance of the Buddha disappears and you get a sense of brightness and uplift the heart just takes you back to the heart the heart feels open and bright in such a state this is a suitable abiding. Then we, this is kind of, we can develop our attention on that experience by absorbing that. And this is the way that the deeper forms of samadhi begin to evolve out of process of vitaka vichara, bringing to mind something suitable 
sensing it, lingering in the impressions till the impressions begin to not be just jumping from this to that to the other in terms of memories and aims and ambitions, but just into they begin to dissolve into one particular quality. That's unification. Okay, so if we let's let go of our aunt, thank you very much, aunt, but we'll let go of her. Maybe return to our breath and our bodies. And instead of just saying, okay, I, I know I'm breathing, now we look in the Anapanasati Sutta once again, the Buddha doesn't say focus, concentrate on your breathing, he doesn't say concentrate on your nose or your belly or anything, though if you want, if this is helpful for you, please. That's useful. What he does say is really thoroughly, directly know the experience of breathing in and breathing out. And this refrain, in and out, is reiterated time and time and time again through this teaching. This means lengthen your, your attention to get the fullness of an in-breath and the fullness of an out-breath. Okay? So I'm talking about that sense of vitaka breathing. Vichara, how is this? Lengthen that process till you get the entire inhalation, staying steady with that entire process and the exhalation. Now, maybe that's what, five seconds? You get that. But in doing that, you've put aside short span attention, you've lengthened your attention, you've put aside other distracting influences, because even to stay with that means you've got to put aside discursive thinking, scattered motions and so forth, and just stay with that for five seconds. <laughs> not for an hour, not for a day, but for five seconds. Okay, you get to the end of that and you feel that sense of openness. Don't rush, don't hurry. You can be mindful of that. How those those energies change and subside and you're in an open state. And then, you know, it's turning, it's changing again into out-breath, different flow of energy. Stay with that for five seconds. So, you know, and then that's the process. Of course, it extends because what happens is, is the jitta feels quite comfortable with that. And just by suspending one's involvement with other phenomena, by suspending one's involvement with financial situation, with one's cousin's health, with whether one's going to be an anagami in five lifetimes whether this is the right way to do it, whether, you know, this kind of conceptual stuff, I just, maybe, just put that aside, get one-pointed on this experience you're having now, and lengthen your attention. Mm-hmm. So, one is definitely maintaining attentiveness, but 
it's a kind of wide enough to allow the process to flow through it. Yeah? So then mindfulness has this capacity to be deeply receptive, lingering. So it's not something you have to constantly force to hold. Certainly you apply, and then as you get the feedback from applying yourself to a suitable thing, this feedback encourages the chitta because the chitta quite likes the soothing effect. It takes a little bit of training because the jitta naturally is a bit addicted to this, that and the other. So we keep reminding it back no, 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 just whoa, back here. <laughs> you know, like a little dog or a little child, you know, child running out into the street, come back. <coughs> Sit here. Oh, come back. Down take a breath. You know. <laughs> The loving kindness, you're okay, okay. <laughs> and, it, and it begins to, once it gets a taste for it, uh, uh, the, the body feels quite comfortable. The jitta likes that. Yeah. So, this is your kind of your, often your crucial training is to begin to re educate the jitta from its rather dazed and crazy habits. And something actually will sustain it. You know, review that again, long breath, then you notice how long it is. So you've got some ability to measure, stay with something enough that you can say how long it was. So this means rather than just going with each sensation, we, we have to, in order to measure something, you have to stand outside it in order what's that? that's a long one this is, again, this is another factor a very significant factor called withdrawal withdrawal viveka something the ability to step back not to to get a better, better perspective on it just like you might step back from an oil painting in order to see it more clearly the whole thing getting the whole picture this stepping back means the energy that would normally be kind of moving in to the object is retained in mindfulness itself. Yeah. It's retained in the chitta, which is that. The effect of this is things start to calm down, your breathing goes quiet, short breathing. Because when you're using up less energy, the body doesn't need so much, so its breathing pattern changes. But it's also um, pure because in order to accomplish that, certain hindering effects such as distractedness, irritability, uh, negativity, uh, craving, uh, fluttering, worry and concern, all these have to be you know, gently dispelled by the purity of chitta with its breathing. And it says then you, then you widen, you, you 
contemplate your entire body in terms of the body energy, sabakaya patisamwedi, thoroughly sensitive to the entire body. And then calming the bodily energy, the activations, the reflexes. So then one enters into a state of some deep calm, which is extremely happy. Okay, so that's, you know, synopsis. And we don't want to make sure that that's the main theme if we're doing breath meditation. Again, it's, you've got to recognize what you're, what you're ready for, what the system is prepared for. So we always try to maintain the fundamental foundations, establishments of sati, the quality of care and attention, the quality of non-reactivity, of lingering, letting things settle, giving things time. Yeah. and then uh, turning away from forcing oneself into things you can't manage and you can sustain sati through that in the long run this will pay off yeah. because if you make meditation a constant combat against pain you're not going to do it very much unless you're, unless you're crazy and the Buddha certainly said, I teach pleasure. That was what people found so revolutionary, because most of the summers at that time were deliberately mortifying themselves. He says, no, I, don't, I teach pleasure. This is a pleasant abiding. Okay? So, make it so. But remember, the deepest, most sustaining pleasure isn't going to come through sense contact. It's going to come through confidence, loving kindness, clarity, separateness of heart. Then, you know, these things all come together in due course of time. We've got uh, a lifespan to do this practice with. It's not going to happen overnight, but when we feel encouraged and realize it all adds up from sila to loving kindness to restraint, they all add up, they all lead the same way. We can continue to cultivate skillful dhammas. Keep on track with that main theme. And this is going to ripen in due course of time. This is my advice. So, that's what I'm working on.